Right, guys, episode 165. I say with you, undue, what's the bloody correct term? Who cares? You decide. Uh, hubris? Modesty? I don't know. I'm confused. It's not often that you hear me get pasted in the debate, but you're about to. Um, I was invited by Ben Burgess to join him for a conversation on libertarianism and what ended up happening is we got into a debate on healthcare. Had I been prepared for it, I think I might have performed better than I did. One of the things that I found was when I said something that Ben disagreed with or didn't like is he jumped in and on the other hand when he was talking he said tons of stuff that I disagreed with um, including stuff like the NHS has been destroyed through, uh, through in, the, in the UK through the government um, cutting it or uh, undermining it, privatising it. Actually, if you look at what happened under the Blair government, when they did put things out to tender to private companies to provide, that's nothing like privatising. It's like, right, the government's providing the service, but they get the private sector to do certain things. The NHS actually went up in league tables in Europe and it seemed to actually improve the NHS. There's no evidence that it undermined it, things like that. Um, I'm not just being a sore loser. The reason why I'm telling you this is I, at one point, felt like saying to Ben, you know, look, you invited me onto your show, Ben. <laughs> like, I'm presuming that you want to hear my opinions. You know, the, the people can um, hear your opinions all the time on your show. I, I'm not saying that to be a sore loser. Uh, I'm, I'm putting it out to you guys because I want to know your opinion. So... I've not put the debate up on my YouTube channel, the Scottish Liberty YouTube channel yet. I don't think I will. Um, but you can go and comment on the one on Ben's channel if you want to. And I'll check that in a week or so uh, because it was pretty hard going looking at the comments last time. Not because I lost, just because it makes me sad to see that people are so brain dead on this issue. Um, as you know, I've developed my views in healthcare in three podcasts, starting with the Medicare for All podcast, which I think is the best of the three. So if you've not heard that yet, did very, very well on SoundCloud. Um, you can also listen to it on YouTube, of course. If you've not listened to that, go and give it a listen after this one, because uh, it might restore your sanity after getting me after hearing me get pasted. Thanks, everyone. So I take with great relief uh, today the fact that I get to um, take a break from arguing about uh, this uh, Sophie's Choice stuff, about uh, which, of, uh, which of these monsters to, uh, to vote for in the general election. Uh, and I, uh, I get to spend a little bit of time today uh, arguing about, uh, you know, broader, you know, philosophical questions about how to think about capitalism and socialism and freedom and individual rights and all of that good stuff. 
uh, with a uh, somebody who I profoundly disagree with, but uh, is a intelligent and thoughtful interlocutor. Uh, make sure you unmute yourself, Anthony. So uh, this is uh, Anthony Samaroff. Uh, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself for people who might not be familiar with you? Hi, Ben. It's a great honor to appear in your new show. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> Let's get that out of the way. Hello, everyone. Thank you for um, bearing witness to our second conversation. It's good to be here in the lines then speaking to people who have disagreements with me. Um, I'm a libertarian writer. You can find a lot of my articles, including articles on Marx and Mises.org. I'm the author of a book called Universal Basic Income For and Against, which I've been told is a very even-handed book where I present the arguments in favor of the universal basic income and uh, as well as those against, and also offer some alternatives from a libertarian perspective on ways that I think we could significantly increase living standards for people at the bottom of the economic ladder. All right, thank you for that, Anthony. Um, I don't think too much about, uh, no, I was no, just you, saying, I don't think too much about for a rich Keep people. Going. Did I? I was just saying, I don't think too much about rich people. I mostly think about poor people. So, um, okay. Well, we can take that's, that that's, as, that's, as, that's as good a, an entry point uh, as, as any. Uh, so since you, you have indicated that you are willing to, uh, to come back for, uh, for repeat, um, repeat performances after today. So I'm, I'm not too worried about, you know, what range of subjects that we, we end up covering. You know, we can, uh, we can keep going in, uh, in future installments, but, uh, but what you just said is, is, uh, is as good an entry point uh, as any, right? So you say that, uh, that you're, you're not primarily, when, when you make this, this libertarian uh, critique of, of statism, of, of doing, um, of, of doing government redistribution, uh, that, uh, that you're not primarily concerned with, with the welfare of, of rich people, you're primarily concerned uh, with the welfare of poor people. But um, I mean, just, just to start out, right, like one obvious case in point, right? So I, I guess when, when you say uh, you're, a, uh, you're a libertarian, uh, I take it that you don't just mean like what sometimes like a certain kind of Republican in the United States might say, oh, I have some libertarian leanings yes. or whatever, right? But like you really mean uh, that if there is any legitimate role for, for the government, and actually I'm, I'm not sure if you think there is or not, or if, or if you'd go all the way to anarcho-capitalism, but if there is a legitimate role for government, it would purely be preventing force and fraud. It's not, it's not to be in the business of doing things like providing healthcare and education. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that would be fair. Okay, so uh, so for example, right? That means that where you live, uh, there is uh, there's something called the National Health Service by uh, by by virtue of which everybody can uh, can get their healthcare provided uh, for free uh, at uh, at publicly owned hospitals, and uh, and so I think an obvious response when you say that you're you know that you're mostly concerned with you know with poor people is I don't imagine that most people in Scotland uh, would want to trade places with, uh, with Americans who have to worry, for example, that sure. if they lose their job, they'd lose their health insurance. Uh, but 
but I mean, I, I take it you would want to want to abolish the NHS. You don't think that's a legitimate government function? I, yeah, I would say ultimately I would abolish the NHS, but I don't think that would be a starting point. The first thing would be to completely deregulate the private provision of healthcare so that um, the kind of innovations that you would see in the fall in price could then influence the National Health Service and ultimately make it redundant. I mean, we could unpack this topic for hours, Ben, but it's not correct that everyone here has access to healthcare. We've um, got maybe approaching 5 million on waiting lists, and this is in a country of 70 million people. Uh, uh, old people are outright refused services. We have lots of rationing. Uh, people love the NHS until they're in it. Um, I'm not going to defend the American system. The American government spends more per head on healthcare than the UK government is, and you don't even have a national health service. Right, which, which certainly suggests um, to me that... Uh... Uh, that trying to provide subsidies and do things like that, you know, have this patchwork system is a much less efficient use of money because, okay, well, if, because if in the UK right. you have 5 million people on various sorts of, uh, sorts of waiting lists in a country of 70 million, that means that uh, that's 65 million, right? You know, that's, so that's uh, about 93% of the population uh, is, is not in that situation. Okay, but most, but, but so, we're talking so about the compare, people. Compare, with... compare that to the tens of millions of people uh, in uh, in the United States, uh, making up a much bigger percentage of the population who don't have any sort of health insurance at all. So if they have something that might be nothing and might be cancer, then they have to think about things like, okay, do I want to go to the doctor? After all, there's a good chance that it's nothing, and I really can't afford to pay for that right now because I'll be paying for it out of pocket. And so presumably you, you don't want that to happen, right? So, so in your view, what's behind door number three, right? If, if you don't like the- Okay, UK, that's yeah. a great um, question. Yeah, okay, so I think it's not fair to say 65 million people do have access to healthcare because if you want to look at the people who actually have conditions that might land them on a waiting list, the fact is that regularly- Hold on. Wait a right? second, well, can, we do well, one, can, can we do one at a time? Can I just- Okay, okay but I'm, I'm really going to want to go back to that because I think that's a really interesting claim, but keep going. Sure, I'm happy to do that. Um, so um, when routinely people are seen next day in the USA for things that people are put on a waiting list here. Again, I don't want to defend the United States medical system. That is a crony capitalist system. In many cases, people can't even- open a hospital without going to, um, to a board and justifying the need for the hospital. And some people on the board will be administrators from the hospital that exist in the same area and what have you. People are banned from buying insurance from states other than their own. There's tons of ways where the government pushes the price of healthcare through the roof in the United States. But um, what, they, what the two systems have in common is third-party payers of some kind, which means that healthcare isn't subject to the discretion of the consumer, where they can say they can get a, a health, better healthcare at a better price. They don't have the option of taking their business elsewhere. So that does not create a upward, upward pressure in quality and downward pressure in price, as we see in other industries, which are largely left to the free market. Um, so, so just to clarify the point, right? That the uh, that you're. So, what's behind door number three? Well, I'd. Okay. Well, I, I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying, right? So they have a. Uh, so, uh, so your objection is 
that we have insurance in the first place. So there's this third party uh, that's that's in the picture. Uh, I'm sure coffee would, uh, would would cost a lot more if you had coffee insurance and they were building sure. it. Sure, that's one example. Company, right? All right, I'll buy that, right? But uh, but I guess what I get a little confused by, maybe you're about to say this in door number three, is how exactly you're going to avoid that because um, there, you know, people can pay for health insurance, healthcare out of pocket right now, right? They don't choose, you know, they don't, uh, they don't generally choose to do so if they can possibly help it uh, because the costs are so exorbitant. You could say, okay, the costs are only so exorbitant because um, most people uh, are, um, uh, most people, you know, are, are charging it to, uh, to insurance rather than paying for it out of pocket. But since presumably you don't want to like ban insurance, right? That would go against libertarian principles. How do we go about getting into a situation where most people are not using health insurance? Sure. Okay, so people can have insurance for things that are um, unpredictable and things like that. That's yeah. fine. Um, I think, broadly speaking, we don't really have. Um, I think our systems have more in common than they have in part, which is that they're essentially systems of sick care, not health care. The only thing that's remunerated within these systems is the treatment of ill health. Everyone gets paid um, for treating sickness. And you've seen, you know, the, the excesses of the pharmaceutical industrial complex and what have you. They're protected by patents from the government, which I disagree with. Um, the, the move towards ensuring everything happens when um, during the war, there was a ban on increasing wages. So, um, a company, sorry, a companies started giving people health insurance and other perks and things like that. And health insurance is not taxed at the same time as other income. So, employers are incentivized to give people benefits in the form of health insurance when actually they might actually like the money in their pocket to spend on whatever they want want not being overinsured. This is an extremely complicated issue. But I would just say this, if you wanted a halfway house, I think the best thing to do would be to, for the government, rather than to um, say subsidize people with Medicare and Medicaid and encourage them to take out insurance, is just to put some money every month in a savings account for people that they could then use draw down from when they had some kind of medical emergency or, or to, to gain healthcare services. The reason for that is it would at least simulate a market in which there was truly open competition, which would put a downward pressure on price of services and an upward pressure on the quality of services. One, one, one problem with that uh, is that if you, uh, if you have a, uh, a health savings account, uh, that uh, healthcare costs are uh, so wildly unpredictable, mm. uh, and uh, which uh, which means that of course you might have this uh, this downward pressure on prices uh, that you're uh, that you're talking about, uh, because if not enough people right can afford it uh, mm. at the at the out of pocket price that you're talking about, then fewer people uh, fewer people will buy it, and that'll provide an incentive to uh, to eventually uh, to eventually lower that price. Uh, but meanwhile. Uh, if uh, if you you just can't afford uh, your uh, your radiation treatments uh, for uh, for cancer, uh, you're not going to be getting them. And there's an obvious concern uh, that you have um, that uh, that you could have a situation where enough people 
can afford it at the higher uh, at the higher price bracket. That especially for certain kinds of specialized services, uh, things that uh, things that are are more that are innately more expensive because the machinery involved, etc. Uh, that like many products, right? It could still be worth it to the providers to sell it at the uh, uh, at the higher uh, higher price point for people who can just directly afford it out of pocket, or who, uh, in addition to the health savings account, can afford health insurance that's taxed uh, taxed at a normal rate. Uh, whereas a lot of people end up without something like Medicaid, end up being left out in the cold. I'd also say that all okay. systems, all systems, like you talked earlier, right? I just want to make sure this doesn't get lost, right? You talked earlier about people on waiting lists, which I agree is the bitter fruit of uh, decades of Tory and new labor cuts to, uh, to, the, uh, to the NHS, uh, but, and uh, stealth undermining and privatizing bits and pieces of it, which is appalling. Uh, and of course, there's a vicious cycle because doing those things to undermine it Right by uh, then leads to shortages that can then be used as an excuse uh, to paint the system in a negative light and thus justify future cuts. But all systems, right, even a really well-funded one, sure, you get some rationing around the edges because all systems have finite resources. The question is, when you run up to the limits of those finite resources and you can't cover everything for everybody, is the uh, is the rationing done on the basis of money like it is in the united states or is it done on the basis of something else and a relatively fairly administered uh, waiting list strikes me as vastly more just than people who can afford something getting to buy their way to the head of the line no i don't agree with that because long term people who can afford to buy things getting to the head of the line are putting money into the system which um then will attract more service providers to that service and bring the the price down over the long term so more people get access. But the thing is, when you're speaking, your challenge, when you're saying, oh, you know, some people are not going to afford it if you've got a health savings account, I think that number would be vastly lower than, than under the current system um, because, so, because the prices of services are so, and there's so much fraud, um, the prices of services are so vastly inflated compared to what they would be in a free market. That, so, so, that's, that for, sorry, Ben, let me develop my point because I gave you quite a lot, okay. lot of okay, time. Okay, 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 but, okay. You know, but, you're, but, but you're saying something right. that I think it's important but, that we don't lose, but finish up your point. That, that's fine. So the thing is, um, you're, you're, you're speaking like we can create some, uh, how, that's, there's, the, the resources are always going to be limited that so long. Um, so so the, there comes a point at when someone's going to say, how much money are you going to pay to save someone one year of life? life. It's morbid as hell, but um, at some point, I, the government administrators are going to decide um, who can live and who can die. And, it's, and the, the problem is with our system, people are not aware of that and at some point they may they may have made different decisions during their lifetime did they know that at 70 years of age they're going to be denied services outright and no one here makes provisions for that because they believe that they're covered okay, I, I, okay, okay I, but 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 yes of course of course that's absolutely true what you just said right that uh that I don't know that most people don't know that. I think everybody knows that. I think they, oh. I think they make the rational calculation that uh, it's better when you run up against those limits, where those morbid choices have to be made, which of course 
a better funded version of the NHS. You'd have to make, 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 make fewer of them, of course. It's been undermined for decades. But of course, in any system, you'd have to make some of them. The question is, what should be used to decide when that happens? Yes, so, you know, I, you know, agree. Do, I agree. Do, that do, that's, do, that's do, do, do you let people... Do you let people higher up the socioeconomic spectrum buy their way to the head of the line, or do you try to have some relatively even-handed system uh, applying fair, impartial rules to decide how those scarce resources get allocated? Right. I, I see. I see the point you're making, but I don't think you're actually taking into account how much cheaper ser healthcare services would be on a free market. Um, you know, there's there's the Oklahoma Surgery Center, the surgery center in Oklahoma, which routinely does things over the counter, sometimes for a tenth of the price uh, that other hospitals are claiming insurance for. So I think with um, on a free market system, yes, you know, you, you'd have to have charities, you'd have to have um, uh, cooperatives, in some cases insurance, people you'd have charity hospitals and um, healthcare workers that are volunteering and so forth. Um, so some people also, go to charity, charity hospital if there's yeah, a yeah, area yeah, where yeah, but, people get world-class uh, healthcare. Yeah, yes, they can. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, well, yeah, and I have to bite the bullet and say, uh, I'm not necessarily adverse to that. I think most people who go and you know, pay for the world ha class healthcare system, they're shoveling money into the system that is then going to attract more service providers by the law of supply and demand. And that will bring the prices of service down, making them more affordable to ordinary people, just the same way that those who are silly enough to buy the new laptop or the new iPhone as soon as it comes out are basically subsidizing people who wait a couple of years to get it to get it later yes yeah, uh, yeah, it's it seems inegalitarian at the front end of it uh, at the it, tail it, end it, of it, it it literally is inegalitarian yeah no it, it is an egalitarian as, as, as a matter of uh, life and death some uh, on the long on the long term on their income on the long term even from a utilitarian perspective i think it's going to turn out um, far better results. Um, so, so, so let's think about that prediction, right? That that in the long term, uh, it'll turn out better. I would say, for most people, I yeah, I yeah. would say, I would say parenthetically that there are non-utilitarian things uh, or things that aren't directly utilitarian in terms of uh, of the most obvious metrics that should be taken into account here, uh, like you know, dignity, right? You know, should you have to beg on GoFundMe to get life-saving medical care uh, versus uh, should it be your right as a citizen? Uh, but as far as the utilitarian calculations, at least as far as the real world options, right? You can speculate about how a really, what you would regard as a really true free market would play out in practice. I can speculate about how I think it would play out in practice, but as far as the data that we have about things that have actually been implemented on a national scale, then the evidence is pretty clear. So people where you are uh, live longer on average, uh, die of treatable diseases less than people where I live. Uh, and so you could say, okay, sure. So maybe the NHS performs vastly better by every, every, by every single metric than the American, uh, the American healthcare system in terms of right. the purpose, like lowering infant mortality, extending life. Oh, ben, why are you choosing? Why are you choosing, living, living, why are you choosing the American I'm, I'm, system? I'm, 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 I'm sorry, Anthony, you didn't let me cut you off okay, earlier. Okay. So, uh, you know, as far as all of these crucial metrics, 
the, uh, the British system performs vastly better than the American system. The Canadian system performs vastly better than the American system, etc. cetera. Uh, now, you could say, sure, some hypothetical system might perform even better, right? Just kind of the same way that if we're talking about the failures of Soviet planning, you know, somebody who is an ultra leftist could say, okay, but that wasn't real communism. And, you know, because they still had commodities and Soviet citizens were still paid in rubles. So if they'd gone all the way to real communism, it would have performed way better. And maybe, but if we're going to stay grounded in what's actually played out in the real world, the evidence is overwhelming that socialized systems perform perform far better than systems with more significant market elements. Right, okay. First of all, you're poisoning the well and you're cherry picking. The, uh, you, it's, it's interesting that you choose America as an example of a capitalist um, or a free market healthcare system when it's, um, you know, the provisions highly regulated in every single way imaginable. What, but you don't, but you don't say, but you don't, but you don't mention, say, Singapore, which has one know, of the Singapore best. is vastly less free market than the United States. Singapore it comes in the no, world, no, right? That, Singapore has Obamacare okay. on uh, When it comes to healthcare, right. Um, then, then you look at say something that, like the the Netherlands, where they have more of a you know they have mandatory insurance, but people can shop around, and um, I I think I, well I mean as far as I can tell, most of the most of the services in Singapore are paid for over the counter, even if it is with um, even if it is with government money, so people are shopping around. In America, you can't you can't uh, well I mean I I. I I never at any point said that was going to defend the America's system. No, I, I understand. But, but the fact is, almost American all of system, that's uh, not all, my point. My point is that if you compare countries like Singapore, the, the, the Amer- America is one of America is the single greatest America. innovator in healthcare. Okay, so do you think that uh, do you think uh, right. that innovation? Do you think that medical innovation? But no, no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is private health insurance. in countries in countries where we have socialized healthcare, we actually benefit from being able to employ innovations that were made in the private system yes, in that's America. A very, that's a very common uh, argument. The reason that I find that very unpersuasive is that if you actually look at uh, at medical innovation in the United States, most of it's happening in government labs, especially when we're talking about. NMEs, new molecular entities, as opposed to just taking something that's already been developed, quite likely at a government lab by the uh, National Institutes for Health uh, or at some public university and tweaking it a little bit uh, to, uh, to patent it. And I would also point out that if we're going to broaden the discussion to the private pharmaceutical industry, that we've all been living since March with the bitter fruits uh, of uh, of the decisions of that ph- private pharmaceutical industry and really the incentives of that private pharmaceutical industry is even after oh yes even after MERS and SARS which were both near misses with respiratory uh, ailments becoming a pandemic on this scale uh, there was no big push to do research into other respiratory ailments why not because the short term profit incentives of the pharmaceutical companies aren't really served by doing things like looking ahead to possible threats that might be coming up in the next few years and thinking like that, uh, they're really incentivized to think in terms of quarterly quarterly profit projections. So when the coronavirus happened, by the way, a direct result of deregulation in China, uh, lifting the ban on on selling uh, wild meat uh, at, uh, at wet markets, when the coronavirus happened, we were left out in the cold because of the incentives uh, built in 
to having pharmaceutical industry be a for-profit thing. Okay. Well, I mean, last I, I, do, I don't know if this is congruent, what you're saying in addition to, or the last I heard um, the FDA ruled that the CDC was the only company that was allowed to make tests at the beginning of the pandemic. And then um, the CDC's test didn't even work. So if they just let the pharmaceuticals make so, so companies make so, tests, so as, then as maybe you, we would have as had you say, sooner. In addition to that, sorry, Ben, can we please go one at a time? As, as my philosophy professor used to say, one fill at a time. Well, I'm, I'm, to I'm trying to, but you, you keep <laughs> on expressing a thought and then moving on to two or three more thoughts. And I keep wanting to go back to the first thought, but say what you're going to say. Well, I mean, I'm giving you as much time as you need, so it would be good to get as much time at, oh, I mean, you've as I need. Times, right? That's okay. If the, if the FDA, you know, the, um, the alcohol companies said that they were able to manufacture sanitizers when there was a shortage of sanitizers, and the FDA t told them that they couldn't do it unless they put poison in it to stop people from drinking. And they said, well, we don't have the infrastructure to do that. And said, oh, well, then I guess you can't manufacture san hand sanitizer, even though we're in the middle of a shortage. Very soon at the beginning of the pandemic. So I'm not sure about that, uh, that particular okay. story. But the broader question is, why is it that the, there had not been research into respiratory ailments going on on a large scale from the pharmaceutical companies. I don't understand how the I don't understand how the pharmaceutical companies don't have an incentive to do that. They would be raking it in. If yes, they'd they'd, done they'd, that. they'd be raking it in because this happened. But the question is, years ago, right? Are but, they thinking, okay, there's like a five percent chance that this will happen? Who can protect so, every possible so, so, eventuality? Uh, you you can't protect every. Oh, if there's a five percent. So, so why do you eventuality? But that's not the question. Look at the way that, for example, uh, Pentagon funding works. Right? You know, are they uh, are they only you know building tanks as needed uh, for wars that have already started, or are they uh, being asked being asked to say, okay, here are a bunch of things that might happen. Of course, they're not going to cover every eventuality, but here are a lot of things that we're concerned with, and let's be prepared for all of those because you can have that with public systems in a way that you can't with companies that are going to be very narrowly focused on what's going to happen to their stock in the near future. I think if you could have that with public agencies, you would have had that. I mean, I don't really see why the government was better placed to predict this than the pharmaceutical uh, industry was. If I knew we were going to be debating, if I knew we were going to be debating healthcare, I would have um, specifically designed my talking points for this conversation. No, well, fair enough. I, mean, this, um, I, I didn't think so either. This is just kind of where yeah. it went. But, uh, but, uh, but the point is not that the, uh, that the government um, is better, better positioned to predict it in mean, the first place. The point is that anybody could have predicted it, but because we had pharmaceutical production largely in the hands uh, of for-profit private companies, they didn't have an incentive uh, to, to focus on that because uh, you know, the, the incentive isn't, oh, hey, this could, this could potentially be a big problem in a couple of years. The incentive is what are we going to be able to sell a lot of this year, whereas if you take it out I'm of the market, you have less of that incentive. Uh, I do also want to get a, a question for you that-, uh, that I think um, companies are constantly today. making, oh, making long-term decisions. Sure, Love. yeah. Let's go, let's hear the question. Okay, uh, it's completely off topic, but, uh, but it was asked a while ago, so I, I, I just want to make sure we don't lose it. So do you want to finish what you were saying about this first? 
Well, you know, first of all, I just want to circle back. You said that the healthcare outcomes are better here. I don't think that's got anything to do with our health service. I think that's a lot to do with American lifestyles being a lot worse than they are. What we really need to be looking at is... I've, I've, I've been to Scotland. I know what you have for breakfast there. Well, I don't. I'm a vegetarian, but I, I'm, I'm more than willing to grant that a lot of people's uh, diet here is, are, are unhealthy too. Um, I'm not sure we have as much of this uh, corn syrup sugar that you guys seem to love over there. But, um, no, but I, yeah, think, you know, I, think, I think when you compare the U.S. to Canada, I think that uh, the lifestyle of Canadians is extremely similar to the lifestyle uh, of, uh, of Americans. Uh, and so you get similar kinds of disparities there, which is one of the reasons that I find that unconvincing. Uh, but uh, well, since I given that we do have right given that, that most of the healthcare costs are going to treat illnesses that are preventable and are lifestyle related you know what what, what are we going to do about this like I'm like no I don't just want to fucking talk about economics with you excuse my language it's like uh, you know I'm a mental health professional right I'm a therapist I'm like why is everyone fucking themselves up you know why why uh, why is the conversation not about you know what I, I i know you're probably going to come back and say it's the capitalist system stupid that's why everyone's addicted to things um i do not but, think those two things are unrelated but uh, okay okay but, 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 like but, 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 i mean i do i do hear what you're saying and, and just that, the conversation should be about that but definitely if you're i i i i my fundamental point is we don't have healthcare systems, we have sick care systems. If I went to a financial advisor and he said to me, well, do you know what, Anthony, when your account's making money, I'll make less. And when it's losing money, I'll make more. Then I would actually expect um, my account to go down in value, not up in value. So basically, I think the way we, need, we think of healthcare needs to change and would potentially change on an actual free market, which is that you would you know, contract with people to help keep you well. They'd get paid more when you were doing well rather than when you were doing sick. That's a, a, a discussion we can have maybe no, another that's, time. That's, that's, but, enti that's, that's entirely fair. I also, before, before we get to the question from earlier, there's a, another question that came in that is, um, well, okay, it's not really a question, but I'll read it anyway and let you react to it. Uh, so um, Anthony Mark says, uh, why is research for new broad spectrum antibiotics only performed by the government? Is because there's, uh, it's too unprofitable to justify the research despite the need for them, uh, given the prevalence of extensively drug resistant bacteria and fungi. Okay. Okay, so uh, so the so since I think there's that literally at any point uh, I think that at any point we bring this up uh, we are going to be deep in the middle of what we were talking about. So at a certain point we just have to do it. So uh, the totally off-topic question that that you have here and um, and although actually I'm I'm just sort of fascinated to hear uh, because I I literally have no idea uh, is um, Jeremy Selman. Uh, asks, uh, what is Anthony's take on uh, Scottish independence? Okay, that's fair enough. I get asked that a lot. Um, I, I guess it's a, an inevitability. Uh, I'm ambivalent about it. I guess, uh, broadly speaking, I prefer smaller political units over bigger ones. Um, I, I feel both 
uh, Scottish and British personally for what my personal sentiments are. Uh, I don't particularly, I do worry that I don't want them to turn this into the People's Republic of Scotland. <laughs> I'm sure you'd feel quite at home there, but um, Scotland's a little bit more left-wing on economic issues than, uh, than England is. So I guess uh, I'm... I'm tentatively, I'm tentatively in favour of Scottish independence, but not strongly in favour. I'm also, I think, uh, tentatively against it, but not strongly against it. All Depends right. what day you catch me on. All right, that that is that is entirely fair. Uh, Anthony, um, I, I want you to uh, come back in a few weeks, and uh, and we won't we won't talk about healthcare every time because I know that. I know that that, is, that we could have spent 10 hours on that. Okay. Uh, but I, I've got a request for your audience, okay? Yeah. On my YouTube channel, there is a video called Medicare for All. Uh, and I would ask you to go and check it out. It's only half an hour long. You can also listen to it on the Scottish Liberty Podcast podcast feed if you prefer to listen to it. Leave your YouTube comments. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. I don't care. Um, but check it out. I tried to do some research for that one. And I think you'll find it quite informative. All right. Fair enough. So actually, I, I think a really fun exercise, and I'm saying this not having watched the video yet myself, I will check it out. Uh, but uh, you, can, uh, you can watch Anthony's video. Uh, you, can, uh, you, can, um, you can read my article in Current Affairs uh, called The Many Bad Arguments Gets Medicare for All. Uh, and if, uh, if, if Anthony makes arguments that, uh, that aren't covered in that article, uh, then, um, then those are probably ones that, that I haven't thought of. So if we ever do return to the subject of healthcare, uh, those would be good ones to, uh, to talk about. But I know that we have a lot of other subjects to cover. So if I can get you back in a few weeks, we'll move on to one of those. Okay, great. Thanks very much for having me, Ben. All right. Thank you so much, Anthony.